Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. Welcome to the New Books Network. Hello, this is Lily Gorin with the New Books Network, the New Books in Political Science podcast. Today, I am joined by quite a few people. Um, uh, Cherie Strawn, Julia Marin um, Helwig, Kevin Lorenz, Dan Mallinson, and the absent um, Davin Phoenix to talk about this amazing book that was published by the American Political Science Association in 2022, Strategies for Navigating Graduate School and Beyond. And boy, do I wish I had this book when I was thinking about graduate school, going to graduate school, negotiating graduate school, and, you know, getting out of graduate school. Uh, and so there is definitely a need for this book. It is about political science. It's about the discipline, but it's also about the processes um, that we all go through to become political scientists. Uh, so I'd like to welcome Julia, Cherie, Kevin, and Dan to the New Books in Political Science podcast. And the first question I have for you all is how did this book come together, particularly, you know, in the middle of a pandemic? Sure, this is Dan. So um, this started actually as a book review that I did. Um, So uh, sociologist Jessica McCrory Calarco wrote a book, uh, A Field Guide to Grad School. And uh, I read that book and, you know, with interest, we have a PhD program for in public administration here at Penn State Harrisburg. So I work with a lot of our doctoral students. So I wanted to read this text and see if it would be beneficial to them. And also I reached out to Cherie about writing a book review for the Journal of Political Science Education. So I, I read the book, and um, it was a good guide. It's meant to be a very broad, general guide to graduate school for students from really any background, any discipline. Um, and so I wrote my review and uh, talked about that, and also talked about how the book was a little lighter on some of the more difficult topics in graduate school. You know, dealing with harassment, um, dealing with an advisor a difficult advisor situation or changing advisors or leaving graduate school, like some of these more difficult topics. And so in writing the book review and then emailing with Cherie, we both were talking about how uh, it would be great to have a book like this for political science. And so we decided that, well, if that's the case, then we're going to have to do it. Um, And so we, uh, she will talk a little bit then about our collaboration with APSA, but we decided to do an edited volume and to invite really as many political scientists as possible to contribute to the volume and, and to contribute on the things that they wish they knew when they were in graduate school. And we wanted to cover the scope of the experience. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about what's in it later, but uh, the scope of the experience, starting grad school, in the middle, getting a job um, and beyond. And the other thing when we were putting the book together was we wanted to make sure it represented a very diverse cross-section of political science. And we wanted that also for the editorial team. So we were very thoughtful in in reaching out to the other folks who are also editors on the project um, to join us and to uh, 
to work on this. And yes, it was uh, during the pandemic, but Zoom has made these kind of collaborations a lot easier. Um, and and this is really it it, it is uh, a field guide with lots and lots of details, um, and I think it was Kevin who wrote in in the introduction that you like guides when you're traveling, um, and and so I I totally saw how this worked in that regard. Um, so I I did want to ask you a little bit about you know how this works with the American Political Science Association, which is this professional organization that all of us, you know, sometimes grit our teeth about and, you know, go to our, the conferences, hopefully no fires and earthquakes and so, so on. Um, and, and many of us were there for the fire. Um, and, and so how does the APSA, which not is not usually a publisher, um, came into this and, and sort of helped out in, and what, what their role was in all of this. Sure. So I had been uh, part of the editorial team that took the Journal of Political Science Education from a section journal to an APSA-wide journal. So I had been in contact with um, the publishing director for um, for APSA, um, John Gerstel. And, you know, APSA has published books for the profession. I mean, they don't publish scholarly works, you know, they have a book on internships, they have some books on teaching civic engagement. And I just thought, and many of those are available without cost for students. And I just thought this, you know, this would be right up their alley. And so I approached um, Gerstel and some other people at the American Political Science Association. And I can't tell you, I don't know that I've ever given a, a pitch that was more well received in my life. Right? Um, I I explained what we were thinking about. I explained, you know, not only is this sort of a generic how to go to graduate school book, but it is specific to political science. It is specific to the things that, you know, might be unique to our kinds of programs, but that also, you know, APSA has been tasked as a traditionally male dominated, white male dominated profession with diversifying um, the discipline. And the only way that we're going to diversify the discipline is if we keep people who are struggling with the hidden curriculum of grad school, if we keep them um, and, and, and graduate them and help them launch that first career and move into tenured positions. And so all of the things, um, you know, the, the chapters on um, those difficult um, experiences, which is not, you know, there are many wonderful things that happen to all of us in graduate, like we're still here, you know, we're not saying don't go, obviously, but we're saying, you know, women sometimes are sexually harassed. Um, there is still overt and um, implicit bias toward members of the LGBTQ community that can make things difficult. Um, there's ableism in our discipline in every, you know, every workplace, every discipline. Um, how do you navigate those kinds of experiences, how do you navigate, you know, if you have, um, you know, you need, you know, you're a minoritized person, you need to build community and you feel lost in a sea of white people. <laughs> you know, how do we, how do we help people navigate all of these kinds of things? And we saw this as, uh, you know, not just helping people with the nuts and bolts, which is there as well, but, but really our contribution to trying to help APSA do what it's been trying to do diversify the discipline. And I, I don't know if it, I don't even remember who said it at this point, but we all chimed in at one point and said, 
you know, of all the things I've published, of all the books I've written, of all the articles I've published, in terms of a lasting impact on the discipline, I think this is it. Uh, for you know this this is the thing that I will have done in my career that I hope has the most long lasting influence on our discipline. And Absa jumped all over it; they loved it. <laughs> and and so this is available on the Absa website, and we will include that in the blurb connected to this podcast. Um, so anybody can access the entirety of the book for free um, in in electronic form. You can also purchase it. Um, not for free, uh, in hard copy. Um, so part of what you talk about in this book is like the nuts and bolts, like here's how you think about, you know, applying to graduate school. Here's how you think about, you know, the program once you get there. Um, here's how, you know, you, you should think about the classes that you're going to take and, and the, the work that you're going to do in them to build towards a, a research stream. So these are kind of, maybe not overtly clear, but certainly something that, you know, oh, I'm going to graduate school. This might be what I'm going to do. But there's the, the side, the other side of it, as you talk about throughout the book, the hidden curriculum, um, that unless you have two parents, essentially, who are professors, um, you probably don't know about. Um, and even then, you might not know about it. Uh, so can you all talk a little bit about the, the sort of regular Tra trajectory in graduate school, the sort of normalized things that we all think about, and then the other stuff that's going on that you need to learn about. Kevin, you want to talk a little bit about the structure? Sure. So th the structure of the book is really, as you laid out, Lily, it's really set up that way in terms of we have nine sections. Um, it's, it's quite a, a large book, but it's the idea that behind the book is that you're not going to read it front cover to back cover, like in one sitting it becomes more relevant as you go through that journey in grad school. Um, and so the sections are kind of mirroring that. So obviously at the beginning we have, you know, what is grad school, the application process, um, walking through, you know, program choice, finances, um, should you go or should you not go? Um, you know, which is kind of a conversation that, uh, you know, many students probably don't, especially first gen or those that don't have those um, professors as parents um, would consider. We have a whole section devoted on um, on campus um, that looks at the more traditional aspect of, you know, how to choose your subfield, how to choose your advisor. Um, but we also have some chapters in there that also talk about the linguo. Um, you know, so for instance, um, one chapter talks about, you know, what is a provost? You know, what's a chair? You know, how do you navigate the academic hierarchy? Um, and so forth. Um, we also have chapters on there that talk about balancing um, your time um, and also considering factors that, you know, you might have children, you might be pregnant, you might be considering starting a family and, you know, the pros and cons of that approach. We then have um, four sections that are devoted to professional development in the traditional sense of scholarship, uh, teaching and service, but we also have a, se um, a section that's devoted to the job market. In particular, um, the and each of those sections is really designed to show students or to show the readers that what you can be doing during graduate school, um, not just, you know, tips and suggestions, but also looking at the other side of what they might not tell you. That's particularly true, for instance, in um, the teaching um, section. Um, oftentimes, students are thrown in as TAs without any preparation, or they're thrown in as an instructor of record for the first time, and they're not necessarily shown the resources that the discipline has. And so there's a chapter, for instance, that talks about connecting with the teaching and learning conference, the political science education, and, and you know, APSA Educate, for instance. 
Um, we also have the job market uh, section, which is a really, we didn't want to just have, you know, the chapter that talks about, you know, graduate students that graduate and then go on to the academy because that's increasingly, you know, there's not that many tenure track jobs and so forth. And so we actually have chapters that talk about different kinds of um institutions to get a job, but also the private sector and how to get those non-academic jobs as well. Finally, we have the last three sections, which are really talking about the hidden curriculum. And um, we divide that into kind of uh, three broad themes. Um, one theme is talking about the climate of the discipline um, and also the climate of your department and how to navigate that. Um, we also have a section that talks about those minoritized persons that Cherie noted earlier. Um, you know, and, and so we're trying to provide, you know, things that your professors won't necessarily tell you or things that you, you know, as we all wish that we would have known back in the day and so forth. And so we divide that along various identities, um, LGBT, um, gender, um, religious minorities, racial minorities, and so forth. Um, we, we try to really have a broad spectrum there. And then finally, um, the last section, which really talks about health and wellness, and this idea that, you know, how do you, on the one side, you know, how do you take care of your physical, spiritual, emotional, mental health, especially in graduate school, which can be quite the slog um, at times. But also there's a, a couple of chapters that also talk about how to, you know, maintain that love for learning, that love for, you know, why did you go to graduate school in the first place and sustaining that joy um, in your future career. And so again, we, we envision that this is not going to be, you know, read from cover to cover uh, or cover to back um, in one sitting these chapters become more relevant um, as you go. And so the table of contents is actually not just the listing of chapters, they all include a blurb. So it allows the reader to quickly glance through and see, hey, this is what I really need right now. And I really love the table of contents in part because the title, some of the titles of the chapters are wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Um, and, and also, you know, lines from songs and stuff like that, which uh, I appreciate that a lot. I'm always telling my students they need snappy titles. Um, but I also really appreciated the blurbs because it really takes you through, you know, sort of what's going on inside that chapter um, and, and negotiating sort of why, you might want to pay attention to this chapter at certain points in your graduate school trajectory. Um, I did want to talk about something that was mentioned, I think, pretty much by all of you in the introduction and also is, you know, is, is really woven through our experiences as academics. And one of that point, one of those points is really about this sense of isolation. Um, and, and so, you know, we do have this love of learning and intellectual stimulation and the idea of having these great conversations with, um, colleagues and our students and so forth, but boy, was graduate school kind of lonely also. Um, and, you know, and then you sort of reproduce sections of that when you are sitting around doing research or um, writing. Can you talk about that thread a little bit of, you know, how to think about balancing all these things? And it's not obviously there are other pressures and issues, but that seems pretty consistent. Julia, I think Julia's trying to talk over there. Sure. So, I think this was something that came through from a lot of our collaborators. Um, what I was especially struck by when we put out the, the call and our whole table of contents ideas for chapters, there were so many people who wanted more things about mental health, isolation, anxiety. And I think, 
you know, all of us are, are educators as well, right? College teachers. And we're seeing our undergraduate students go through this. And we're seeing our graduate students go through this, especially during the pandemic. And so I think, you know, you mentioned earlier about writing this during a pandemic. I think that became especially salient over that time. All of us had the good fortune of finishing before that happened. Um, but even then it was, you know, isolating and lonely for many of us. Um, and I think that this group of students who are recently finishing up or are in the trenches right now are really feeling a need for hearing that it is hard and that they're not alone, but that there are resources too. And I think what's also very helpful about these chapters is that they're reflective, they're supportive, and they offer resources um, that the reader can turn to. And so some of them um, even offer, you know, association resources, legal resources, um, the institution resources that should be in place. And I think that's really important to have that sort of trifecta of there are other people like you, you're not alone. Uh, we've been through this before and here are some resources that we want to offer to you so that you don't have to, to, you know, go through it as, as badly as some of us did. Sure, go ahead. And I would just add to that, that there were some of these things were that we offer as advice to grad students. I had to stumble on, on my own. One of the, one of the most valuable places for networking that I have found in the discipline is the teaching and learning conference, which is a hidden gem. Um, everyone who cares about teaching in the discipline enough to prioritize going to a conference to spend time and, and sort of dedicate an entire weekend to thinking about their teaching, they tend to be really nice people. And that's where, and, and they run the gamut from community colleges to, to Ivy Leagues, right? This, this wonderful collection of people who are interested in having engaging teaching conversations and being supportive. I stumbled on that conference and have not missed one since. And it made my career so much more enjoyable, right? Those, those are my people. That's my connection. Even though I publish, you know, some things about pedagogy, but obviously other things. Um, we have a whole chapter on how to do that and how to network and how welcome graduate students are. Um, and then there are things that are available that weren't available to me because I'm old. <laughs> um, you know, the whole, um, the way that people found each other with social media and found ways to be supportive. And, you know, maybe, maybe you are the only person at your particular campus struggling with a particular issue or feeling a particular you know, because of a certain identity or because of you're the only first gen person in the room. Um, you know, maybe it is hard to build that support network on your own campus, um, but you can certainly build it. Um, you know, you can find those people at conferences, but you can build, you know, um, uh, connections to people through social media, through Zoom um, and all the other ways and some really good advice about how to do that, which I would have loved if that had been available to me. So just concrete, specific things that I think people will find helpful. I just wanted to mention something too, along these lines about the project itself um, that was kind of neat. And I think is uh, something to think about for others who are working on collaborations, you know, often collaborations and, and even edited volumes and things like that are driven by some, by like the editor's personal network, right? And, and those things then can be self-reinforcing and can can be exclusionary of certain people like in the discipline um, who aren't you know central in those networks or, or maybe are new the neat thing about this project was we really 
we had people pitch us topics and um, in some cases a team would pitch a topic and they ended up writing a chapter together and, and they do already know each other but for many of these chapters we matched people together who have never met before never worked together previously um, and so there was some neat community building i think within the project um, as well and some opportunities for people to again, work across the discipline that, or even outside, I'll give one example. So we have a chapter on disabilities and chronic health issues. And uh, I actually asked our disability services coordinator here at Penn State Harrisburg, Alan Babcock, if he would help with that chapter. So Alan's not a political scientist, but we wanted somebody from disability services side of the institution to contribute to that article. And fortunately, Alan did so, and it was a great experience for him. And a great contribution to the book so um it was a it was a fun project from that angle as well we did all this kind of matchmaking and it actually and it worked i mean i somehow this project progressed much faster than many edited volumes <laughs> do if you've done one before and um you know i think people were just really committed to the project and, and it's so useful. I, I did have the opportunity to actually introduce two of your authors who had never met face to face at the la most recent APSA. I was able to introduce Patty Rada to um, William Adler. Uh, and and they were just like, oh, face to face meeting. How cool. Um, so it is a, it is a really lively project. I mean, that's one of the things that comes through all the chapters is that, you know, you all and all the contributing authors really have a, a sense of engagement with their particular area. Um, and I, you know, I saw in the table of contents and reading through some of the chapters that you have a number of authors who also make a number of different contributions. Um, and so that there's, you know, there's also coming out of graduate school, we all had certain experiences. Um, so I, I did want to ask you about, like, how did, how did it all come together? Did you have a vision? You said you, you had people pitch to you, but you sort of had ideas for like, yeah, we probably want to have some stuff on discrimination in the academy. Julia yes. had an Excel spreadsheet. Oh, That's yes. how it all came together. <laughs> Yeah, no, this was really great. So, um, you know, we've talked a lot about how big this project is, but just to put it in numbers, right, there are 69 chapters and over 150 unique contributors. So that's not including the overlapping contributors. Um, so the way that we did this was that we first uh, got together and pitched some ideas, um, sort of what we wanted our table of content to look like. I then created a Google account for the book so it had its own uh, email address and its own Google Drive folders. Um, created a sheet. All of this, of course, with the help of my wonderful graduate assistant, Cole Turnquist. I couldn't have done that without him. Um, so we had this large spreadsheet with a list of topic ideas. And then at the bottom said, if you have additional suggestions, please write those at the bottom. And then we shared this everywhere through all of our networks, on listservs, on Twitter, and just said, please sign up for the chapter you're interested in. So we had, um, along with those chapter ideas, we had columns for please put your name and email address. Um, and then people just signed up for the topics that they were interested in writing about. And again, most of these people didn't know each other, although sometimes a group of people would pitch a full chapter idea. 
Um, and then using that Gmail account for the book, we emailed these authors said, okay, you have now signed up to write this together. So go and acquaint yourselves and put together a proposal and write this chapter. Um, and so that's really, really how it happened. So most people really didn't know each other at all. Um, there were a couple of instances where we tried to be sort of more purposive with our matchmaking, um, like Dan talked about um, on the disability side. We also have a chapter on negotiating your first job offer. And I was really excited there to matchmake with William O'Brockta, who had just gotten his first job a few weeks earlier uh, with Lori Poloni-Sodinger, who is a dean. Um, and so it was really fun to put a dean and a recent graduate together to write a chapter together. But otherwise, really, just people just signed up on this available, editable Google sheet. Nobody messed up the sheet, which was also amazing. You know, we, we here are hundreds of people working in this Google sheet and uh, nobody messed it up. So, um, yes, it took a lot of administrative organization um, but I was grateful that I had some experience working with Dan before in an edited volume um, and sort of figured out what, what not to do. Don't send all of the emails into your own inbox, right? <laughs> Get everybody organized. So, um, yeah, it was really spectacular how we made that happen from really idea to published book. We're talking 16 months, I think. That's amazing. During a pandemic. That is really amazing in terms of, you know, sort of completing a project, a published project like that. Um, we hit every absolute deadline early. Wow. <laughs> Our authors rock. They, they turned this around. It was wonderful. You, you, you are not speaking poorly of them. You are absolutely, right. absolutely. I want to ask this question and, and please take it not as like, what is your favorite chapter? Because that's not what the question is. And I will not ask for the baby to be cut in half. Um, I, what, what I want to know is what surprised you in terms of some of the chapters that came rolling in and what you learned from them, or you're like, you sort of expected it to go in one direction and it went in perhaps a different direction. I can start and then I can toss it over. So uh, it is, yeah, I, I, it's hard to pick a favorite chapter. You're right. I don't maybe, want that. But, um, <laughs> so I'm glad we're not exactly going in that direction. But one that, that I was thinking about that, that relates to this is um, one of the chapters that I edited was by Chris um, McCauley and Michelle Deerdorf. They were writing about the academic interview and it's academic interview slash marathon because we've been there, right? It's, it's a long long day and a half, day, two days, you know, depending on how uh, the interview is set up for, for an academic position. And this is about the academic job interview. But the way they set up the chapter, which surprised me when it came in, but it surprised me very pleasantly, is they, they set it up as a conversation between the two of them because uh, Chris is an assistant professor and Michelle is a department head and full professor. And so it was this, set up this dialogue between the two of them about the academic interview from both of the perspectives, uh, him having just done it, and then her on the side of a department that is hiring. And uh, it was, you know, it was, it was a very useful way to structure it, but also it was a, a helpful and surprising way to think about that, right, as opposed to just laying out 
each of the steps and here's the do's and don'ts, et cetera, um, you get a feeling of that conversation between the, really the two sides of the interview, right? The interviewee and, and the institution. Um, so that was one for me. Anybody else? Yeah, I, the, I think, so the, the, the collection of chapters that are, are at least most resonate with me, and I said this a little bit at the beginning, um, it was this concern for intersectionality um, and, and, do, and addressing intersectional concerns in a really concrete way and making sure that people who aren't having an easy experience or a typical experience or might have, you know, this, the, the experiences that we didn't talk about, you know, people got groped when I was in grad school and no one talked about it. We know that it happened, right? So making sure that that was there as a resource um, for, you know, ensuring that we do our level best to diversify our discipline by helping people handle that sort of thing um, was really important to me. But then sort of, and that was what I was prioritizing. But then as we're reading the book, we're like, we can't, like, we're all here. I don't, I am so happy every single day that this is my job. <laughs> I love my career. You know, certainly there were struggles along the way, but I don't want to discourage people from having the the freedom to work with people, the freedom to have my own projects, the intellectual curiosity, all the things I love about this job. And so there was a chapter um, that I don't know if we added it or if we found it and repositioned it. I can't quite remember the you know what happened about you know em- embracing your joy right? Like, why did you do this in the first place? You know, if you're, if you're having those moments where you're like, oh, this was a really bad day to, to remember why you were drawn to going to graduate school and what you want out of it. Um, because it is incredibly, um, it's an incredibly rewarding. I found graduate school itself, you know, just having the, the, the luxury of time to read, just to sit and read things. Um, uh, wonderful. I enjoyed grad school. And, and then can't tell you how much I appreciate my career as a first gen, you know, who my entire family is, my mother's a school teacher, but everyone else was in manual labor jobs. Um, you know, just being able to do this for a living, I, it's great. So we, we wanted to make sure we didn't lose that while we were giving practical advice. And I found, I found that. I found that really useful because I think it's kind of a coda. It's it's towards the end of the book, and and I really and I thought that was really good because it is encompassing not only of the graduate school experience, which as we've talked about is isolating and can and can have all of these problems and pressures and experiences, but also like why did you go? Because I wanted to learn more, um, and I still want to learn more. And so you know, sort of keeping that in mind, um, even on the bad days, is also useful advice. I really enjoyed that chapter as well, the sustaining joy. I thought that was so important. Um, But it also makes me think a lot about how we ask these authors to write the chapters, which was very reflective, rather light. Part of the reason why so many of them came in early, why we hit our deadlines early, is because they said it was so easy to write. So many of them just felt like they were just pouring, you know, everything that they wanted to say finally into a chapter that that's relatively short and digestible. And that was really nice. And so I do want to shout out two chapters in particular that I um, read closely that weren't so easy to write. Um, We had a few chapters that really dug deep on resources um, and dug deep on, um, 
you know, what are the laws and norms, institutions, those kinds of things. And so there's a chapter on balancing pregnancy, parenthood, and graduate school. It is probably twice as long as the other chapter, still very digestible and easy to read, um, but it just requires so much more information. And they did such a great job. Um, See, there are, I think, five authors on that one um, who really went through the entirety of how complicated it can be to be pregnant, even dug into pregnancy loss, which I thought was really important. Um, And the other chapter is on discrimination and sexual assault. Um, And this is one where we even had to involve, you know, APSA's legal team to make sure that we weren't giving advice that we're not supposed to. Um, But those authors, you know, they did such a great job um, being vulnerable and offering their own experiences, but also doing a lot of homework um, on the kind of suggestions that they were able to make um, and offering the resources that are available. Yeah, I mean, I, I I was looking at the pregnancy chapter because it was distinct from the others in length and number of authors. I I was like, huh, oh, this is this is an interesting um, sort of swerve in terms of um, what's going on and how many people wanted to say something on this topic. I think um, my two sections, or my if I had to highlight a couple. Um, I'll, I really like the sustaining joy um, chapter. I I actually, oddly enough, I was um, rereading that a few weeks ago, you know, just to kind of um, reorient myself, if you will. And then correspondingly, a chapter that's nearby it is preventing burnout. Um, I, 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 I read that one also recently and just, you know, kind of do, like I'm doing too much too, you know, and taking to, um, you know, this idea that it's a real thing. And if you don't, you know, acknowledge it, which these authors do a very good job of saying, like, you have to be mindful about because the the institution or the, you know, grad school itself and the discipline itself will, you know, it'll keep piling on you um, unless you um, hit the brakes and so forth. The other one that I really appreciated, and it's a section of chapters is from the job market, and they're talking about the different kinds of institutions. Um, I know in my um, grad program, there was, you know, they were assuming that everybody was going to be at an R2 or above. And there was no talk really about, well, there was talk if you were interested in working like at a regional comprehensive and it was, why do you want to waste your degree, end quote. And so it was kind of um, insulting on many respects, um, but it was also to bring all these authors from various institutions and they show actually. So the community college one was one that I edited and I appreciated seeing, yes, the focus is on teaching. But those authors also spoke about, you know, the service that they give, the scholarship and professional development that they provide, you know, to the region and that they undertake themselves. Um, You know, they are scholars, you know, just they are of a different kind. Um, And that was true across, you know, all the different kinds of institutions, which I think is something, frankly, those chapters are, I don't know where else in the discipline they'll, uh, a graduate student will get that actually, because unless there's a major sea change in several of our PhD institutions, they're, they're not going to get that conversation. And, and I really, I really did like the chapter on what your PhD advisors can't tell you because they don't know. (laughs) I think Karen really enjoyed writing that too. (laughs) And I was like, yeah, a hundred percent. (laughs) Right. 
And I remember those days when I was on the market um, and sort of thinking, yeah, that, that's not going to work. Okay. Um, so this, this is, it, it seems also from what you're all saying and, and how you're, how you experience this, that this was also a labor of love. I mean, Cherie, you've also said, and you've all said that, you know, this, you hope has long legs in terms of, you know, sort of influencing the pipeline and, and giving individuals a fuller picture. Um, and so that people aren't sort of struggling and groping in the dark as so many of us felt like we were doing. Um, and when you shine a light on all the things we, I, I really thought like, Oh, I was groping in the dark <laughs> for what all of this is supposed to be and how I'm supposed to negotiate it. Um, but you have a sense of sort of delight in the project. Can you talk a little bit about that? Oh, anytime I can, you know, we can complain all day long. And how many, how many years have we complained about diversifying the discipline or sat at the bar with our friends from grad school and said, they didn't tell us this, or I'm happy at, you know, I'm happier at a regional public um, with a master's degree and no PhD to deal with than I ever would have been um, right at a PhD granting institution. And that I wasn't encouraged to even think of that as an option. How many times can we sit and have those conversations and complain? This gave us a chance. It's delightful because it's a chance to be proactive and productive and address those things. Um, and, and I think a really good shot at making a difference. So uh, that's uh, my, my delight in this project is, you know, we did it. <laughs> we can bring it to a positive conversation. <laughs> yeah, and to echo Sheree's point earlier, I mean, you know, I, I agree. I think this is this is probably the thing that I've worked on that I'm most proudest of, and or most proud of, proudest, yeah, most proud of. Um, and it it just it was a it was an amazing experience from the editorial side, and also from seeing everything that the authors produced, but. Um, you know, it's also something that I just hope has a real impact for students that, you know, that are following in, in our footsteps or in the footsteps of others who have gone in different directions in their careers. Um, so I don't know, you know, I, I'm encouraged every time I hear the same, I hear the same phrase over and over again that we've all said, which is, uh, I wish I had this when I was in graduate school. And so that makes me feel good. I think the people really made it joyful, right? Like these were difficult topics written during a difficult time, but there were so many people who wanted to share and connect with each other. Um, and I think all of us are the kinds of people who, you know, we did get to play matchmaker, right? And we did get to connect people and that was a lot of fun for us. And I think we instilled that in a lot of the author, right? I think you know, we encourage people to talk about difficult things, but also we wanted to make sure that it wasn't just that, long list laundry list of complaints right um there were some things that we said you know please be reflective and how has this you know brought you to where you are today and i think that kind of set the tone for talk about the issues but make sure that you know there's a good message behind it yeah and i'll just echo all that um i think the one thing that i've noticed is that from reading these chapters and from working with um the authors is I've kind of adjusted how I advise my students, especially those that are considering going to grad school. And it's not just, you know, here, read this book, but it's also, you know, 
there's different, you know, I was exposed to different, you know, perspectives, different ideas. Um, you know, there was a lot of, uh, you know, I'm a first gen LGBT person, you know, and so I reflect, you know, I, I, I really enjoyed reading those chapters, but also I was like, that was your experience too. Like there was even something else that happened, you know? And so I really, I, I've really like adjusted how I advise. Um, and I, and I think also, I, I hope that in the long run, I, I, you know, as I see now, um, some of these authors at recently saw a couple of them at TLC, um, actually a, a week or two ago. And they were just saying also how they, to put it into writing, they're kind of like taking what was an informal process or informal protocol of advising and putting it into something more formal. And they're like, that feels good, <laughs> you know, in a way. And so uh, hopefully that will result in some sea change um, across the discipline um, as well. I mean, I think all of that is is really useful, as as you say, to even just take some of the information that's here and and sort of integrate it into what we talk to uh, with our students if they think about graduate school, different kinds of graduate school, um, and to have it codified in this book so you can also point out like, yeah, go read these three chapters, um, mm-hmm. and and then come back and talk to me, um, sort of situation. Uh, I wanted to ask you a question, and again, I have not. Read read every word of the book. I have read a few of them, but not all of them. And as somebody who straddles um, American politics and political theory, political theory has has a unique set, set of um, difficulties uh, in terms of, you know, diversifying and um, existing within the discipline. Uh, d- was there anything specific that you looked at with regard to the different subfields? Um in your analyses and in the analyses of some of the um, the chapters, I, I know there's you know obviously there's about different components with regard to different kinds of institutions, but um, within subfields there also seem to be you know different kinds of dynamics that sometimes affect um, graduate students and then people on the job market as well. Sharia, you had your ha- Sharia, you had your hand up. Yeah, I think the one place we at least that I recall that we addressed that most directly was in the chapter on how to conference and that, that not all papers go to every conference or you might need to, you know, you might need to balance, um, you know, a big, a big conference like the American political science association or Midwest, those big, huge conferences, um, where, where you go for the breadth of the field with some that are, are more narrowly focused on your own, subfield and to to be sure to seek those out and take your work there because you'll get much more reflective feedback and you will build a much more supportive network that will help you turn that into a long-term research agenda so that's the one place i felt like we um uh encourage people to think about connecting their professional development to how they want to land a job Kevin, you said you wanted to, you, you indicated you might want to say something as well. No. Oh, okay. Never mind. <laughs> I, I'll jump in yeah. quickly. I mean, we, so we did have a, we did have a chapter on the basics of like choosing a subfield. And part of that discussion, the way the authors wrote that chapter is that particularly thinking about a graduate school, graduate student audience is that, um, you know, that wh- where you kind of land in the discipline may evolve, right? It's not like you need to choose that year one in your program, and then that's what you are forever until you retire. Um, that that in, in, in some sense, those, those, you're right that different subfields face different, different things. Um, and the students are going to have to, or 
eventually is in, in the profession have to navigate that. But I think they also wanted to give the sense that those subfields don't have to be like a constraining straitjacket once you're in one. And I know that's been my experience, right? I'm, I'm a state politics scholar by, by training and background, but most of my work has been in policy process theory. And so now I increasingly find myself embedded in the policy section in ASPA and APSA and much less so in the state politics, which has been an evolution over the last 10 years. So we have aspects of the book that I think capture that as well. Which is really useful because you're you're right. Most of us don't stand in the same space that we stood in day one of graduate school. Um, and many of us evolve in many, many ways in our intellectual journeys. Um, so I appreciate that. Uh, so I wanted to know if you're all working on something next. Yeah. So interestingly, thinking about evolving and and being in a different place than when you were in grad school, one of the things that I started doing after um, some years in the discipline was to do applied civic engagement work. So, um, you know, research on, um, you know, research on how can we, you know, improve political socialization on a college campus or with our community members, you know, how can we cultivate public spiritedness and sustain democracy um, through our service, through our teaching, and through our, you know, programming that we offer and things like that. So there's a whole, um, you know, th- that work initially came out of the political science education section. Um, we recently, um, uh, they're, they're launched, APSA launched a civic engagement section. And so I'm collaborating with Kevin because he was active in one section, I was active in the other, and some really big scale projects. Um, so uh, we put together... Um, a, a sort of a bridge between the two to keep people in conversation across these big projects called the Civic Learning Working Group that reflects active, engaged members on um, both of those things. And one of the things Kevin and I are going to, hopefully Kevin will still want to work with me on this, is um, years ago I launched a consortium to facilitate large N civic engagement work. You know, we do these projects on our own campuses and you can publish a book chapter or maybe get a PS piece the teacher out of it, but you can't, even if it's about political socialization on a college campus, it's hard to publish unless you have multi-campus, multi-instructor and larger N. And so I launched a consortium to help not just myself um, do that kind of work, but to do calls for proposals and use the resources that I have now at the Bliss Institute of applied politics at the University of Akron to facilitate that for other people in the discipline who are interested in that work. And, you know, Kevin's worked on the first iteration of that consortium that I launched at a different institution. It went on hiatus during the pandemic because nobody was doing (laughs) that sort of work. Um, uh, we, We hated to call our colleagues and ask them for any extra thing during the pandemic. And so we're ready for a relaunch. Um, we just had a meeting at TLC about it, and I'm super excited about it. So I stole your, I stole the, if that's what you were going to talk about, Kevin, I stole the idea. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Dan, you wanted to jump in here too. Sure. So as you can imagine, right, I, this is a large book. It covers a lot of territory. But as soon as it came out, right, we would have people that would say, well, well you didn't talk about this. Um, and so I think there's opportunities to build on this project. Mm-hmm. Um, some of that, you know, an example of that, uh, that I'll give is 
somebody brought up the idea that you didn't really talk about the difference of going to a rural versus an urban PhD program. And, you know, that immediately resonated with me. I went to Penn State and State College, which is in the middle of nowhere in Pennsylvania. And I'm from Pennsylvania, so didn't bother me. But I had co- I had uh, other graduate school colleagues that were from cities. And, you know, it was a rough transition to suddenly being in the middle of nowhere. Um, and it feels like, I mean, you don't have all the amenities and things and things to do that you would have in a city, which is always funny to me as a Pennsylvanian, because there's a lot more in state college than there is in pretty much anywhere else in central Pennsylvania, because it gets even more rural. But it was a big transition for people, right? And so that was something that wasn't commented on. So there are some things that could be added. But the other idea that has come up um, that we've talked a little bit about is thinking about the international audience, studying, studying internationally, looking for jobs internationally. And as we think about diversity, you know, incorporating other parts of the world. Clearly, this was an APSA production. And so it was focused on largely on the United States that we had co- uh, contributors from um, from other countries. And we do talk about some of the aspects of uh you know, jobs abroad and things like that. But that's clearly a, a very much untapped uh, topic for, you know, a very globalized world now of how do you move across country contexts and whether that's attending graduate school in another country, coming back or, or being an international student here and staying here, or being an international student here and then going somewhere else. And I mean, there's a lot um, of potential there. So that has, that has come up as well. Um, so I don't know. We'll see. Uh, we, we've all rested a little bit from this project. Uh, we might take a little more rest and then see, see what, uh, what will be next with some of these ideas. So there may be a volume two or revised new edition. (laughs) Potentially. Yeah. Julia's making faces. Always making faces. I apologize for. I know it's not a visual forum, but yes, I think, you know, (laughs) we're all in the space of like, yes, we did this huge thing, and like, oh, but we could do more because it was a lot of fun to work together, and it was a lot of fun to work with all these people. And I really found that I really, really enjoy editing, right? Connecting people, talking to people. I never thought, you know, oh, I really want to read and proofread other people's papers, Um, but that is something I found I really am enjoying um and so i could definitely see us doing another project together like this okay well when it comes about or if there's another edition i look forward to talking to you all again um so we can parse what's new um in the new edition uh i want to thank kevin lorenz uh dan mallinson julia Marin helwig and sheree strawn and uh the absent devon phoenix uh, who wasn't able to join us today for talking to me about strategies for navigating graduate school and beyond this is published in 2022 by the american political science association and it is available from the american political science association apsa net for those of you who don't know that address um thank you all for joining me today it was a pleasure to talk to you Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having us.